Welcome to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology. Many of our podcasts are accompanied by downloadable study guides and additional resources. You can access those either through our website at gsot.edu forward slash center or through the Grace app for your smartphone. And now, Saving Grace. Hello and welcome. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for this podcast. Our guest today says, When the sea of life lies before us calm and smooth, our faith remains untested. But when the storm swallows us and the waves beat our ship like a battering ram, up from the depths come the dragons of doubt. Does God really care about us? Is He really good? Is He great enough to solve our problems? But if God permits trials as I grow up in faith, He will also provide the consoling truth that can sustain my hope through undeserved suffering. Well, today we'll talk about the truth that will sustain us. We're so pleased to have with us Dr. Dave Anderson, founder and president of Grace School of Theology. Dr. Anderson is a graduate of Rice University, received a master's in theology from Dallas Theological Seminary, and earned a Ph.D. in Greek New Testament and early Christian literature from Dallas Seminary. He has authored numerous books, including Triumph Through Trials, Maximum Joy, Bewitched, Portraits of Righteousness, among others. Dr. Anderson, it's always good to have you on Saving Grace. And great to see you again. Oh, well, it's uh, my pleasure. You know, your book, Portraits of Righteousness, draws from the Apostles' writings on uh, Romans 5 through 8. Uh we're going to even hone in a little closer, but how would you say, uh, what, what was Paul's primary focus in those three chapters? If you could, can point to, to those, 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 those four chapters. Well, it's sanctification. Uh, it's sort of a saga of the victorious Christian as you go along in Romans. Uh, initially it talks about our sinfulness, our depravity, and moves into how God solves that problem. Yes. Uh, through justification by faith. You might call that a salvation section if you're talking about salvation from the penalty of sin. Right. But uh, he wants a whole lot more than that. That's why we call it portraits of righteousness. Mm-hmm. In chapter four, where we are justified, that justification is in heaven, the courtroom of heaven. The gavel comes down. It's what we call a judicial righteousness mm-hmm. or a forensic righteousness. It's credit to our, to our account in a moment in time when we believe just as happened with Abraham. Uh, But that doesn't mean that's true in our condition on earth. In Mm -hmm. our position in heaven, we're absolutely righteous, the imputed righteousness of Christ credited to our account. But on earth, we still may be quite ungodly. Mm -hmm. So God doesn't want to leave it there. He actually wants the righteousness we have in heaven to ultimately work its way out into our lives. In other words, that we become like Christ. Yes. As we become progressively more and more like him, then more and more righteousness is displayed for the world to see, which brings glory to God. So it's as though God's painting a portrait mm. in our lives. And it begins when he when we're first born again mm. through faith. And then he has his paintbrush out and he's working on us yeah. from then until we uh, go into the next life, either by death or by the rapture, whatever it may be. Yeah, I love you always. You'll say that 
you know, the goal for for when we become a believer is not to go to heaven when we die, right? But it's to become more like Jesus, and that's really what you're talking about. So now exactly, he's, exactly. Yeah. In fact, you know the the chapter four of Romans is, is the starting blocks. Mm-hmm. It says we're running a race. It says in Hebrews twelve, Philippians three, mm-hmm. other passages. Mm-hmm. So just to keep our focus on the starting blocks is kind of a waste of time. <laughs> yes, it is. In fact, no if, if you uh. Uh, or Hussein Bolt, and uh, you went to Beijing uh, to run the 100 meters, and someone paid your way, a sponsor paid your way, uh, and the gun went off and you stayed in the starting blocks, your sponsor would be jumping up and down saying, what are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't bring you here to stay in the starting blocks. There's a race. There's a goal line down there. Yeah. And uh, so uh, the whole thing is a, is a big picture. It's a, it's a, it's a race. And, you know, I'm amazed at most of my years after I became a Christian, I did not know that. Hmm. I thought the goal was to just go to heaven when I die. And so it's a a totally different life when you understand the big picture. Well, and that doesn't come from the Bible. That comes from uh, Augustine, Hmm. uh, died in 430 A.D. But he was the first what we call church father to bring in philosophy into Christianity. Mm. So he brought in a, a number of different strains of philosophy. But one of them was Plato's ideas through neo-new Platonism. Yes. And Plato's thought of life was that the goal of life is to get the soul, which is good, out of the body, which is evil, to go to heaven. So that was his sole yeah. purpose in his philosophy of eternity. Well, Augustine brought that right into Christianity because it does talk about going to heaven. Right. It does talk about eternity with God. It does talk about souls and spirits and all that stuff. That's right. But he turned that into the goal. Mm. And if you were to... Uh, Works. Yeah, like in my uh, class in soteriology, the first class I start off and say, okay, I've had a car wreck. I'm about to die. I don't know God. I'd like to go to heaven if there is one. And you know God, you say, so I want you to get me there. But you only have two minutes. Mm. And I'm going to give you three Gospels to get me there, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm. You can't go to John, can't go to Romans, can't go to Ephesians. Those are Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke? That's right. They are. How would you get me there? Mm. No one can do it. Now, it's in there. It's really hard to find. Why? Because it's not the emphasis of those three Gospels. The emphasis of those Gospels is on our discipleship. Mm. It's not evangelism. It's going on in the Christian life to be, as Bill Hybels would say, a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Mm. Wow. Wow. Well, the book of Romans uh, addresses sin and suffering sort of as the the main things, I I guess. Correct me if if I'm wrong, but talk about the role that our faith plays in dealing with those because we deal here on earth with sin and suffering every day. Mm. Uh, So what is the role that our faith is supposed to play in those two important plagues in our life? Well, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, when I come back to the earth, will I find faith on the earth? So he's always trying to develop our faith. Uh, and we're told in Galatians 2.20, it's by faith that we're going to have a victorious Christian life. Mm-hmm. But we enter the Christian life through faith. Abraham believed and was reckoned unto him for righteousness. Or, you know, John 3.16. Right. I believe and you will not perish, but have everlasting life. So we start off by faith. But it doesn't stop there. Even Romans, in its opening statement, at least on its purpose statement in Romans 1, uh, 16 and 17, 
It talks about the gospel. It's the power of God into salvation. But that salvation is more than just salvation from the penalty of sin, mm. which is at the cross. Yes. And done. it happens momentarily once you believe. It's also deliverance or salvation from the power of sin. That's what we call sanctification. And it's all by faith. All so, by faith. And then when it comes to the problem of suffering, uh, that's um, really where God is kind of in, in his portrait, putting his finishing touches on us. Mm. Uh, and quite often, uh, you know, I see people under 40. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there are plenty of people who've suffered under 40. But it's kind of like uh, elders in the church were... The, the word meant elder. It's kind of like uh, people over 40 seem to run into things that people under 40 haven't. Mm. And then, of course, as we get older, we go through all the different physical ailments that come along as our bodies are wearing out. But through all that, as, uh, he, as it says in First Peter 1, he's put our faith in a furnace and he's heating it up mm. to bring out its impurities. Yes. But it's really the final touches. Yeah. The finishing touches. Yes. Uh, to, to the portrait. And, and mankind uh, uh, is his magnum opus, his greatest mm -hmm. work. It's mm -hmm. not the angels. It's not the angels. See, the angels have never suffered. Hmm. So it actually says in 1 Peter one thirteen that they, the word there is kind of like on hands and knees, searching, mm -hmm. looking like you would see a trail of ants. But they're looking to try to understand suffering before glory. They truly don't get it, having not experienced in themselves. Correct, correct. And that's why someday we will judge the angels, it says mm. in Scripture, mm. uh, because uh, we are of a higher order. Mm. We're God's greatest work. So with that, he's he's a master painter, and mm. we are his portraits. Yes. And he's trying to paint portraits of godly, righteous people uh, as a display of his glory yeah. to the world. By glory, I'm talking about an open public manifestation of his character. Mm. The glory of anything is an open public manifestation. Like, mm -hmm. if you say the glory of Arnold Schwarzenegger, what would it be? We see him flexing his muscles. And <laughs> right. He's in a Mr. Universe contest or something. Yeah. And those are attributes he has mm -hmm. that few other people have. Well, now we're talking about the glory of God. So that's an open public manifestation of his character and his attributes. And we're supposed to reflect his glory, so that's why it's not about us, uh -uh. right? So when we're out there in the world doing our thing... If we make it about us, we've, we've really taken his glory away. Well, I think G. Campbell Morgan's illustration of moons is so good because mm. moons have no light of, the, of their own. Mm. There's only one superstar in heaven, so to speak. Yes. And what moons do is reflect the light of the sun. Yes, yes. So we will reflect his light, meaning the sun, S-O-N, of God. Mm. And that means we're reflecting his character quality. Mm. Light in, in the physical world is a composite of the colors of the prism. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about the light of God reflecting, it's like we're reflecting different character qualities of, of him. him. Yes. It's a beautiful picture. It really is. Oh, yeah. yeah. And what I love is he says there are no half moons in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a yeah. full moon. Oh, that's, in other words, people yeah. talk about, well, it's not like there's going to be jealousy. Uh, no, because that's part of the simple nature that we mm -hmm. get rid of. Mm -hmm. There's no jealousy. Everyone's a full moon. No one has any sense of lack mm -hmm. when they're with him. Now, mm -hmm. some moons are larger than others, meaning they'll reflect more of his light than others, mm -hmm. simply because uh, perhaps they were more faithful in their walk mm -hmm. than others on earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we allow it. And we allow him because we have free will. We can choose to allow him to shine or allow ourselves to shine or right. Or am I? 
No, exactly. And of course, all this is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And, yes. Uh, yes. You know, I see life in in three stages, really. Mm. Uh, one is uh, nine months in darkness. Mm. But God's making eyes. What can you see? Yeah. Darkness. Nothing. Yeah. He's building ears. What can you hear for mm. all intents and purposes? Right, right. You know, taste buds, tactile, all these things. Mm-hmm. You say, well, what a waste of time. Why is he doing that? Mm-hmm. Well, we know the answer. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's for the second stage of existence. That revealing. The second stage of existence, which could be 70, 80 years. Mm-hmm. That's where we use our eyes, ears, all our senses. Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. we become believers during that phase, he's also developing senses, mm-hmm. spiritual senses. Mm-hmm. Spiritual taste buds, taste that his word is good. You know, yes. Spiritual tactile, that we might be sensitive to the things of the Lord, spiritual things. You know? yeah. Spiritual eyes to see his work yeah. and his kingdom. And say, well, you just get glimpses of that, don't you? Sure. But he's doing that for the third stage. We'll use those senses in the third stage. Now, the reason I say all that is there's a difference between um, the first stage and the second stage. For all intents and purposes, a baby cannot Mm -hmm. Mm self-abort. But a believer can. Mm. God's trying to do this great work in our lives that we can quench the Spirit, Yes. We can resist the Spirit. We can grieve the Spirit. And when we do that, we are cutting off what He wants to do with our lives. Yes. And so let's talk about that third stage then. Okay, so we got the first stage in the womb. we got the second stage, our life here on earth. That third stage, mm-hmm. are you speaking of the thousand years? Are you speaking of eternity in the eternal state? Uh, both and. Both and. You know, yeah. Because uh, once... Uh, the rapture occurs, mm-hmm. we're now in our glorified bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we also have no more sinful nature. First uh, John 3 says, we'll be like him for we shall see him as he is. And uh, so at that time, uh, we will enjoy his glory in a way we can't right now because we're still so limited by our, mm-hmm. the, the physicality of this world. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, that's why some people who are blind seem to have some something of advantage. In, yes. some, in some ways, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think Fanny Crosby wrote. I mm-hmm. think I could be. I think she wrote about eight thousand hymns, mm-hmm. uh, eight thousand. Yeah. And uh, oh my, uh, she had she had a way of seeing into the spiritual that I bet if she were a seeing person, uh, she might not have had. Mm, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think sometimes our limited abilities. Uh, can be so empowered by the Lord if we give them to them that he does incredible supernatural things through them, mm-hmm. it seems. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Well, again, we talk about suffering. We know that there's deserved suffering mm-hmm. and undeserved. And and I think it seems to me, Dr. Anderson, we've kind of gotten that mixed up in the world today because when we do wrong and we suffer for it, we're, we're looking for someone to blame. Mm-hmm. Blame God or blame my parents or blame, you know, we're looking for someone to blame. Mm-hmm. And and I think we, we feel we don't deserve the consequences of our sin. So help, help us understand the difference in undeserved suffering and suffering because undeserved is really what we want to kind of focus on today. Right. Well, deserved suffering, of course, comes from our own sin, our own foolishness. Uh, if you put all your money on one stock, that's foolish, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you may suffer the consequences of that. Yes. Uh, if you uh, 
drive 150 miles an hour down the freeway, that's foolish. You might suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Of course, that would be sin too, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it so, would. Sometimes they run together. But I, 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 I can prove this, but I would hazard a guess that most of our suffering, yeah. for the average person, mm-hmm. average person, mm-hmm. Most of our suffering is self-induced mm-hmm. from our sin or foolishness. Mm-hmm. And we deserve whatever the consequences are. Yes. If I jump off a building, break my leg, you know, uh, I deserve that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, undeserved suffering also falls into two categories. There's innocent suffering. Like if a woman has a car wreck and her baby's in that car, mm-hmm. the baby dies. Mm-hmm. That's not due to any sin on the part of the baby. Right. That's innocent suffering. Okay. Uh, but then there's suffering for righteousness' sake, and First Peter talks about that. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, he says, "Don't you know, suffer as an evildoer, yeah. but if you suffer for righteousness' sake, uh, mm-hmm. then you're blessed by God." Yes, yes. Uh, and even Jesus, you know, in the Beatitudes are what some people call the Be Happytudes, because mm-hmm. the first word is Makarios, 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 which is the Greek word for happy. Mm-hmm. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those. He gets to the end of that, and he had, comes to a climax, and he says, happy are you, and then he says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Mm-hmm. So apparently there's happy, happier, and happiest. <laughs> apparently so. But the happiest in that uh, series of Beatitudes comes when you're persecuted, and people mm-hmm. say all manner of evil against you falsely for my namesake. So that's suffering precisely because you're doing something that's righteous. Yes. Missionary goes to Mosul, Mosul, how do you pronounce that city in Iraq? And uh, uh, is confronted by ISIS, and someone in the family dies. Uh, that wouldn't have happened had they not gone there. But they went there to spread the good news of Jesus. God so, looks at the heart. <laughs> so that, that category is the tough one. Mm-hmm. And that's what he addresses in the last half of Romans 8. Absolutely. Because uh, as he says later on in the chapter, uh, you know, where sheep like led to the slaughter, mm. you know, all day long. And that comes from Psalm 44. And, uh it's clear in that psalm they haven't done anything wrong. Right. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's the hardest one to deal with. I I think so as well. And mm. and I think that's why I'm so glad that Paul in in Romans eight eighteen and nineteen says, "For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits uh, for the revealing of the sons of God." So Paul is going, and we know he was persecuted and in prison for, for, for loving the Lord and sharing the gospel. And yet he's saying he doesn't even think about those sufferings in compared to the glory he's going to receive. That's astounding. Only the Holy Spirit could do that through him. And only the Holy Spirit can do that through us to see suffering in that way, that undeserved suffering. Exactly. I, uh, I think part of victory over suffering is a vivid imagination. And, and a focus on uh, the next world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call it monovision. When I was, uh, uh, I wear contacts. Mm-hmm. And it came a point in my life, and he said, well, you need bifocals now. I said, well, I don't want that because I like to play golf and all this. He said, well, we'll get one for a distance and one for reading. Mm-hmm. So which is your dominant eye? I said, well, my right one. So he put one for distance in my right eye. And one for uh, reading my left eye. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, with that, I, you know, I could do well. I've done that for over 20 years. Well, God has monovision. He says, uh, 
to accurately navigate this world, you need to have one eye on the today and one eye on tomorrow. You need distance vision and you need uh, close vision. Wow. And uh, without putting an eye on that other world, I think this world will always be out of focus. Mm-hmm. We'll never see see correctly in this world. So uh, part of uh, that that imagination, like I think of, the comparison I think of is uh, a grain of sand next to Mount Everest. Right. I think of a thimble full of water from the mm-hmm. Pacific next to, uh, I'm next to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, well, you say, well, there's no comparison. <laughs> None at all. And you say, yeah, yeah <laughs> there's no comparison. So uh, my wife and I have been through a few things in our lives. And uh, yeah. uh, I entered that world. I remember after my uh, son was killed mm. by a drunk driver that um, oh, about six months afterwards, some friends took me out to lunch and said, how you doing? I said, well, I think I'm okay. And they said, no, no, this is us. You can be real. How are you really doing? I said, well, I think I'm okay. I said, I've got a... a, a a terrible analogy, but I've got a crystal ball I look into, <laughs> uh, and I see the next world, and it's, it's my Bible. Mm-hmm. And as I look in there, I, I visualize things. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the sufferings in this world, I think, if responded to correctly, uh, become jewels on crowns that he wears someday. Oh, yes. I and so I'll focus on a little gem sparkling on one of his millions of crowns. And know that that's going to gleam for eternity because we responded correctly uh, in faith through the sufferings of this world. Mm. So anyway. That's beautiful. No, it, yeah, and it's That's just me, but that helps me. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And that is huge because uh, our life span here on earth is so short. Eternity is eternity. <laughs> Uh Yeah, C.S. Lewis said this, hope means a continual looking forward to the eternal world. Mm. That's what I just said. Yeah. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the uh, recent uh, world were just those who thought the most of the next. Mm. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. He closes by saying this, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Mm. Wow. That's right. That's monovision. <laughs> that is. I agree. I agree. Dr. Anderson, he says in that, in that passage, uh, not to be compared with the glory about to be revealed. Now, we've talked about God's glory. We've talked about us reflecting his glory. Well, what is the glory to be revealed? What is meant by that to console our suffering? Well, when he comes back at the judgment seat of Christ, he will reveal how much of our character is Christ-like. And that is his glory. Mm -hmm. That's the glory that's to be revealed. To be revealed. And even the angels and creation are waiting to see that, correct? Because it says, for the earnest expectation of the creation uh-huh. eagerly waits for the revealing uh-huh. of the sons of God. Is is that what that's in reference to? Well, I think in, in that case, it's, uh, the earth is, is personified. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's taking something inanimate and making it like a person. Sure, sure. Like we call a ship, she. Yes. Our, you know. So uh, I think in that case, he's talking about the earth coming back to its original state. 
So I see five stages of the earth. The first stage, only spiritual beings could live here and everything was good. Then uh, in the last stage, it'll be the same way. Yes. When we yes. come back and the new Jerusalem is on either a brand new earth or a refurbished, recycled earth, mm -hmm. in which there is no more sin or suffering. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think the earth is waiting for. Okay. The, okay. A couple stages in there. In the second stage, you could live to be a thousand. And in the fourth stage, you could live to be a thousand. Mm -hmm. But in the middle stage, which is now, yeah. you can live to be, well, let's say, well, give it a hundred years. Yes. Uh, yes. But not like it will be. Exactly. So I think all creation is waiting uh, to come back to its original state. Okay. So he's, he, in a sense, he's redeeming mm -hmm. uh, the created order as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said that the revealing of these portraits of righteousness is seen to herald the final completion of God's redemption purposes for all of creation. That's what you're talking about, that kind of coming full circle and bringing it back to all he intended without well uh, of the created order yeah yeah, yeah. but uh with respect to our own lives it's mm -hmm. it's uh to bring us as close to christ likeness as is possible mm -hmm. and then we will be trophies of grace as we've already said forever and ever and ever uh, yes reflecting his light now daniel 12 2 uh, talks about the resurrection and then 12 3 talks about the rewards for the faithful yes and it says you'll shine like the stars it doesn't mean you are a star that's back to the moons and planets exactly. shine like stars because they're reflecting the light of the sun. Mm -hmm. And uh, to the degree that we become like Christ, we glorify God for all eternity. Because, mm. again, we're reflecting his character for all eternity. Yes. There are those who, would, who might say, well, that's kind of selfish that you're looking forward to getting rewards. Address that. Well, that thought just simply comes from our corrupted, fallen, sinful nature. Mm -hmm. Because, in essence, that nature, that part of us is greedy. Mm -hmm. It is selfish. It wants to promote self. It wants to serve self. And we've spent so much time wrestling with that, that people project that right on into eternity. But again, we have to remember, we have no more sinful nature mm -hmm. when Christ returns. Yeah. So selfishness is not even an option for us mm. at that time. But what we need to remember now is that it's not selfish to want to bring glory to God. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, epistle after epistle is all to the praise of the glory of God. Yes. So that, that's where it all is all going. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole Bible is what we call theocentric, theo for God. Mm -hmm. It's centered around God and his glory. It's not anthropocentric, centered around man and our glory. Right. So, right. Uh, Ultimately, we're to bring glory to him. And that's not one of the rewards is intimacy. Mm. The closer we get to him on earth, the closer we'll be to him for eternity. Now, is it selfish for you and Bob, your husband, to want to be close? Well, of course not. I think so. Uh, no less is it. I mean, it's not selfish to want to get closer to Jesus. Is no. It? Right. no. So that's that's one of the rewards. And, oh. and that's a love thing. It's not a selfish thing. That's a great reward as well. <laughs> Verse 23 says, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Uh, first, first explain to those listening the fruit, the first fruits of the spirit. What is he talking about? The first fruits of the spirit. Well, be honest, no one knows. Hmm. That's the most complicated part of that passage. Wow. All sorts of explanations. Uh, it gets technical in Greek. Some people yeah. call it. Epexegetical, which means 
you know, the Holy Spirit is the fruit, explaining what the fruit is. Mm. Others say, no, we Christians are the fruit, we're the first fruits, looking at Pentecost and coming off of that time. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I can give a good answer. I okay, mean, yeah. I, an answer that's um, dogmatic, and I love to be dogmatic. <laughs> it's one of my gifts. It's not on that one. To build up the body of Christ. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I haven't seen that on the spiritual gift inventory. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Now, when it talks about waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, I think oftentimes, uh, I mean, if when I hear the word adoption, I think of being adopted into the family of God because of my faith in Jesus Christ. But that's not what that's referring to, is it? Well, we have to remember in those times, there were stages of adoption. Okay. Uh, the first stage gave you voting rights. Uh, you could sit at the table when you were 14 and vote. But you had no property rights. You didn't get those till you're 25. This is talking about the property rights. Mm. So right now we have voting rights. Okay. Uh, we get to choose yes or no. We get to choose good or evil. Okay. We choose God or Satan. Or you know, most people don't vote for Satan. We'll say God or self, which is kind of the same. Way. Right. <laughs> right. So now we vote, uh, but in that future time, what we're waiting for. Mm is the final stage of adoption mm-hmm. when we have property rights. Mm-hmm. And it gives those to us in the millennial period. Mm-hmm. He says at that time, you'll help share, if you've walked with the Lord, you're a co-regency with mm-hmm. Christ over planet Earth. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's that's yeah. thrilling to think about. Yeah. <laughs> and, and motivating for me uh, to, well, to desire to pursue that goal, that, that run that race, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it all started with that. Uh, yeah. Adam was to take dominion over planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, short story uh, that he failed. Yeah. And uh, uh, he was given another chance and failed. Mm-hmm. And finally, Noah was given a chance and failed. Mm-hmm. So God brings in the second Adam, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, to fulfill what the first Adam didn't do. Yeah. And that's what the millennium is all about, mm-hmm. is answering what Adam was supposed to do in Genesis uh, Jesus will do the second Adam will do. during the millennial period. Yeah. And for those that uh, want to uh, walk with him, he says in Hebrews 2.10, he'll lead many sons to glory. And many will then participate with him in that reign on planet Earth. Mm. Beautiful. So we talk about creation groaning, believers groan, but the Spirit of God groans as well, you say. And there's a chapter in your book, Portraits of Righteousness, on that. Uh, just briefly, how is the Spirit's groaning one of the sources of our help to console us in our time of yeah, suffering? Yeah, I think it's because uh, we often don't know how to pray. Mm, for sure. Yeah, I remember, again, I don't want to dwell on this, but... After my son died, I yes. had a little uh, private place I'd go to, and uh, I would just go in there and wail. <laughs> oh, yes. I didn't cry. I wailed yes. for probably a month, you know, wow. not knowing how to pray, what to pray for. And that's just something in my life, but people run into that with all different situations. Absolutely. You know, uh, that child that uh, doesn't seem to respond to spiritual things and follow the sirens of this world, of which they're a legion. Uh, the parent that's never uh, shown any spiritual hunger, uh, the disease, there's so many things uh, we could list that we feel, at least I do, we feel inadequate, I think, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on words to use, uh, how to express it. 
And then it's a comfort to know that the Holy Spirit also groans. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, uh, as it says in Hebrews, we don't have an unsympathetic high priest, nor do we have an unsympathetic Holy Spirit. He's a real person. Yes. It says in Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Spirit of God by which we are sealed under the day of redemption. Well, that means he has feelings. Mm-hmm. He can be grieved. He cries with us, don't you think? Yeah. Yes. And he groans. The nice thing, uh, as it says in that mm-hmm. passage, about his groaning is that uh, he's praying for us, interceding for us. Uh, but he knows the mind of the Father. He, we often don't. Right. He does. So that's a comfort to know that at least someone up there. <laughs> Somebody gets us. <laughs> yeah. And someone in here who he lives yes. in us. Yes. Knows our exact situation and prays on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. There's so many times when we are just overwhelmed, no matter what our circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like we know what we're feeling, but we don't know how to say it. Yeah. And, and it is always comforting to me to know, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, you know what I'm feeling, what I'm going through. You know, the questions I have, the yep, doubt yep, I have, the fear yep, I have. Yep. Please take this yeah. to the Lord. I, I like the story of the uh, gal whose fiance was killed in a car wreck. And she dashed up to her room and uh, her, her parents were sitting down the stairs and they could hear her sobbing up there. Mm. And... Uh, her mother looked at her husband and said, you know, sweetheart, I think she needs a, a father right now. Mm-hmm. So he crept up to her room and opened the door slightly and shut it and came back down. And his wife said, well, why didn't you go in there? She needs a father. And he said, she has one. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's, yeah. wow. That's right. Mm, and we all do, and we all do. Well, this has just been so helpful today as we think about suffering, undeserved suffering in particular, and thinking about the the, the comfort that's offered to us uh, and the glory of God, the hope that we have, uh, the glory of God, the groaning of the Lord uh, for our sakes. There's also two more areas we want to talk about. We're going to have to have you back, and that's talking about the goodness and the greatness of God. Again, a source of comfort for us. So if we can have you back, we'll continue that discussion, Dr. Anderson. Lord willing. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, thank you. Well, our guest today has been Dr. Dave Anderson. If you've been encouraged in your own trials today, let me encourage you to read Dr. Anderson's book, Portraits of Righteousness. In these podcasts, we are just scratching the surface of its rich content. Be sure to download the Grace app to give you complete access to Saving Grace podcasts, Grace Cafe, our event calendar, Bible study guides, and much, much more. You can get that link link and also learn more about Grace School of Theology, Grace Center for Spiritual Development at gsot.edu. That's gsot.edu. So glad you've joined us today. Remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. 